You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast. Your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. Season one in the books of us covering the NAI, at least. And, you know, we already know the outcome, John, of the national tournament. But it was a really, really fun one. And there were some games that uh, I think the semifinal round especially was worth every single penny of that $10 weekend pass, don't you think? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. that There have been a couple other good tournaments in recent years, but I think this one from top to bottom is probably the most competitive we've seen. Yeah, so we're going to go through the tournament game by game, and uh, we'll talk about each one of those games and, and the outcome and what surprised us, what didn't, and uh, go from there. So the first up, we have Reinhardt and Lords. Reinhardt, obviously, the victor in this one, 17 to 8. Um, a few things to note, and I'm looking at it right now. Here we go. Good. All right. So there was quite a few penalties in this one, 13, and uh, Lords was 0 for 5, and Reinhardt was 2 for 8. Uh, obviously, uh, face-offs were a lot closer than I thought, given how well the Reinhardt kid was all year long. Uh, he actually went 14 for 29 so he he lost that battle just just barely but one of the things that really surprised me was the save percentage by lords and uh you know tyler queen good goalie had eight saves with 17 goals against so that one kind of threw me off and then i think they played a senior goalie for like the last two minutes of the game jared duncan so uh what surprised you about that game john um, so the face-off one didn't actually surprise me as much just because I knew their guy was about 65, 70% going into it as well. So I knew that'd be a pretty good battle. The one thing I will say is Lords hung on a little bit longer than me and a couple other people were talking about thought they would. Mm-hmm. I knew it would be a good game up until halftime, but they actually gave Reinhardt a pretty good run, I want to say, till early third quarter before it kind of got out of hand. Um, it seemed like Reinhardt really struggled guarding Tyler Pizzat. Gotcha. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I just got to think that all that offensive firepower, all that uh, all that experience really helped, you know, Reinhardt kind of come into this game knowing exactly what it's going to take. And even though Lords was hanging around, you know, Reinhardt was able to I'm looking at the the box score here. Reinhardt was able to kind of slowly pull away. I mean, they did have a 10 to four lead at halftime and then they just kind of coasted from there, you know, up. 13 to six at the end of the third and then obviously 17 to eight at the end of the fourth so it looks like they you know they had a lot of different scores i'm counting one two three four five six seven eight guys registering registering points and then obviously gavin banks going six and two and kyle banks going four and one so the banks brothers definitely they were they were the stars of the show on offense at least so Moving on to the next game, we had Kaiser against yeah. St. Ambrose. It's Kaiser 12, St. Ambrose 7. Thoughts? Yeah, so that was a pretty interesting one. I know me and you both thought going into it, Kaiser may have a pretty good advantage just due to the experience factor. Um, St. Ambrose actually started out red hot. They're up by about three for the majority of the game. And then midway through the third quarter, it seemed like Kaiser's offense just exploded i mean they really 
got a good lead. They scored a couple goals. You thought, okay, maybe St. Ambrose will bounce back. And then they just never really recovered from that Kaiser run. Yeah. Uh, looking at it, you know, just like you said, at halftime, St. Ambrose is winning five to three. End of the third quarter, <laughs> Kaiser's winning nine to six. So things definitely changed. And then they never looked back, obviously pulling out a 12 to seven win. Uh, a few things to note looking at the stat line. Uh, ton of shots on goal for St. Ambrose. Uh, Cole George, a goalie that we're both impressed with from Kaiser, he had seven goals against with 12 saves. So obviously of those 42 shots that uh, St. Ambrose took, only uh, only 19 of them hit the cage, which seems a little low. And then uh, leading the way for St. Ambrose, we had Michael Shakerin, who had two goals on 12 shots. So definitely a volume shooter in this one. And then on the Kaiser side, we have a hat trick from Dylan Sharp, John Sr., and Hunter East. I don't think any of us are surprised to hear those three names with hat tricks. And then Cole Stasi with four assists, helping the team out that way. All right, moving on. We have our next matchup, which was Columbia and Cumberlands. And I got to tell you, this is the one game where I was, t- I was texting back and forth with people where I'm like, I- I've been a Columbia fan all year long, but like, don't be surprised. Like I kind of, I'm kind of leaning Cumberlands on this one and they pull it off 18 to 12 just playing, you know, their goalie was hot throughout the entire two days that they were, that they were playing. But, you know, I just think this is one where it was really close, like a one goal game at the end of the third quarter. And then Cumberland's just absolutely, their offense exploded for seven goals in the fourth quarter. So I just got to think, you know, Columbia's that close, right? They are, they are three and a half quarters away from from semifinals and Cumberland's I'm just checking the fourth here they scored one two three goals in less than a minute four goals in less than two minutes so the momentum shifted early in the fourth and I I, you know they just never looked back and leading the way for Cumberland's I mean obviously Thomas Fogarty seven goals on nine shots is absolutely absurd I mean, that kid almost couldn't miss. And then for Columbia, you've got Cooper Heck with five goals on eight shots. So great shooters on that end. And as far as goalies go, you know, you had Michael Tui, who had stepped in for Will Settle all year long, doing a phenomenal job. Yes, he was 50% on the day, but he's just really shown that he can most definitely play goalie. Yeah, for sure. That was a great game for both goalies. Um, the one thing I will say that I thought was interesting, it seemed like Cumberland's had a strategy to kind of shoot top left most of the game. I don't know if that's something they saw maybe in film study, because I think I, I heard one of them say that they knew going into it where they were going to be aiming. Hmm. Well, that's why you scout those goalies, right? I mean, Cumberland's did have the face-off advantage 19-13. They outshot uh, 49-38. They actually had two more turnovers, but, you know, with all those face-offs and uh, the additional saves, they were able to overcome that. And then, uh, you know, the other thing, too, is the Cumberland's ride. I mean, Columbia cleared 17 of 24, which is, you know, it's not unheard of, but Cumberland's only 
failed one ride, one clear. So definitely an advantage gained there. Uh, I know Coach Pete was talking about how the guys really, you know, rode their butts off. So uh, I think those are two big advantages. And, uh, you know, it definitely carried them into the semifinals where they would play the winner of the next game, which is Benedictine and Indiana Tech. And this is one of those games where, you know, I don't, I'm not sure we really knew what to expect. You know, we talked about Indiana Tech kind of being penciled in for a run to the title game, which they did eventually get to. But I think this game was a bit closer than people had expected. Yeah, definitely. And we, we talked about earlier um, in the regular season matchup, it was 20 to three. So going <laughs> yeah. into it, I knew it would be closer than that, but I didn't have it going into it being 11 to eight, which it actually was. It seemed like the Benedictine defense came in with a really good game plan. They didn't really give up a lot of fast breaks, which is something they just got killed on in the first meeting. And then offensively, they looked a lot more patient than they had, and they handled the pressure of Indiana Tech a lot better this go-around. So I guess maybe just being a little bit more prepared for it helped a lot. Yeah, and, you know, both goalies played exceptionally well. I mean, uh, you have the goalie from Benedictine, Duncan Loud, who had 18 saves and 11 goals against, so clearly well over 50. And then Evan Schuster had 15 saves with eight goals against, again, almost 66%, like 64%. So both goalies played really well. I mean, it, it comes down to Andrew Ryan for Indiana Tech with six goals on 12 shots. So he was taking a lot of those shots. And then obviously on Benedictine side, uh, Brady Guck, three goals on 10 shots. So I, I think the, the big thing here looking at it, you know, Benedictine had 29 turnovers to Indiana Tech's 21. That's that's eight possessions right there. Uh, faceoffs were, were almost dead. Even uh, clears, both teams cleared very poorly. 16 for 24 for BU and 17 for 25 for Tech. So, I mean, overall, it was, it was a fairly even game, but, you know, Indiana Tech had 10 more shots and eight less turnovers and, and a few more saves, and that pretty much is... You know, that's where you get three those goals. three goals from. Yeah, exactly. All right. So obviously Indiana Tech wins that one 11 eight, moving to the semifinals. And this is where, you know, I had a game Friday night. So I had to miss a lot of this, but my phone was blowing up with, did you see this game? Did you see that game? I got to catch the end of the Kaiser, Kaiser Reinhardt game going into my game. And then the Cumberland's Tech game, you know, I, I just, I come out of my game and there's just like, yeah, they're an OT. I was like, what is going, what, what is happening? <laughs> so first let's get to this. Reinhardt beats Kaiser nine to eight in what was probably the best showing by any Reinhardt opponent all year long. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. It seemed like Kaiser defensively, they're playing well. Faceoffs, we know they have Cam Provine, an absolute stud of faceoff. Cole George was making some phenomenal saves in cage. Um, and the main thing is when Reinhardt would get penalties, which they got quite a few that hurt them down the stretch, Kaiser was taking advantage of the opportunities they were given. Yeah, and what's, what's insane to me is that no one scored in the last five and a half minutes of this game. Like, it was just a one-goal game for a very long time. And... Uh, you know, Kaiser made a little push at the end to, to bring it within one. I mean, they scored six, seven, and eight, three unanswered goals to, to give them a shot. But, like, 
just that lull at the end of the game must have been, must have been incredibly stressful. Uh, looking at some of the stats, uh, Kaiser had more saves, a couple more turnovers. Reinhardt won the faceoff battle. Reinhardt outshot Kaiser 41 to 29. Uh, I, what I found really interesting is that there were 10 faceoff violations in this game. I think that's just absolutely insane. But I think I, that's just a little nerves when you got, I think it was, I think both of them ended up being first team and second team All Americans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're playing, you're going against your equals. So, you know, but uh, I, I think where that one goal comes from is Reinhardt had seven more GBs, Kaiser failed five clears. Reinhardt won four extra faceoffs, so it's pretty easy to find one goal, you know, in those stats. So let's talk about a couple of the leaders for each team. So Matt Webb had eight goals against on nine saves, just over 50. Cole George had nine goals against on 12 saves, uh, a little over 50 as well. So both goalies played well, and uh, Kaiser really spreading the ball around. Nobody had more than two goals. Uh, Reinhardt leaning on Connor Mills and Gavin Banks on this one. So, you know, it's just one of those things. Both these teams are known for having guys that can score the ball, right? But it's also the number of guys because, you know, Reinhardt relied on different guys in each game. You know, Kyle Banks only had one goal this time. And Connor Mills stepped up, which we've all heard that name, you know, plenty of times. So it's just the depth is really what helps Reinhardt be who they are every single year. You know, the top end talent is really good but then there's also guys right behind them that are still like best player on a lot of the teams that they play against yeah for sure and then moving on we had another semifinal. we had cumberland's versus indiana tech it was 10-9 indiana tech won in double overtime and it's crazy because as we said people were blowing up my phone as well talking about how oh, man, that Kaiser Reinhardt game was the best game we've seen in the tournament forever. <laughs> yeah. And then they Not said – Not to be outdone, here comes yeah. Cumberland's and Indiana Tech. <laughs> and what's weird is it was 4-4 at halftime, okay? So everyone – I think at halftime, everyone's like, okay, this game's pretty close. And then if you're me, you're thinking, so how long until Indiana Tech, like, turns it on? So third quarter comes out, 7-4 to four Indiana Tech at the end of the four, third. And you're like, okay, that's probably going to do it, right? Like, they, they have a little cushion. They probably have enough. And then all of a sudden, Cumberland outscores them 5-2 to two in the fourth to force overtime. And I'm looking at the timing of all this. And what's crazy is they, they took the lead with two minutes and 30 seconds left. And then Indiana Tech scores an unassisted goal with 51 seconds left to force overtime. So not only did Cumberland's come back with five unanswered goals, Indiana tech. I mean, it's so hard to do this. Like you, you're, you're, you're winning most of the game. You see your lead just evaporate. And then with like 51 seconds left, you're like, we have to, we have to find something. And they did. And Emmett Coleman puts in the, the, the game tying goal unassisted first OT from what I heard because I missed parts of this, but first OT goalies are standing on their heads. At least I know the Cumberland's goalie was standing on his head. Second OT, we get hat, we, you know, get about halfway in. And then Andrew Ryan buries a goal after Cannon Bodley throws a ridiculous, like I've watched that replay like 10 times and the angle it's from, I don't understand how the ball gets to Andrew Ryan, but it does. And like he did all year, he found 
a nice little low to high stinger in the corner to win the game and send him to the national championship. Yeah, I've watched that several times as well. And like watching it live, I didn't see him catch it like at first. The pass, it looked so like I it said, went through oh, okay. a person, right? It looked like, like it went yeah. through the defender. I have no idea. I said, how defender's going to take this coast to coast. And then I said, wait, but that guy just shot the ball. What's going on here? Yeah. It's just, it was an unbelievable game. I've rewatched the second OT a couple of times. Um, you know, there's great performances all over a game like that. So Andrew Ryan ended up with three goals on six shots. Uh, and he got the one that counted the most, obviously. And then uh, on the Cumberland side, Fogarty again with three goals leading the way for them. Michael Tui again, another 64, almost 65 minutes. He had 13 saves on 10 goals against. And Evan Schuster, 16 saves on nine goals against. I do know that what really killed Cumberland's in OT, and this is straight from, from Coach Pete, is, you know, clearing just kind of fell apart in a couple of situations. So looking at it, they were 26 for 30. And Indiana Tech was 27 for 30. So they both cleared the ball incredibly well. But clears and OT seem to be, you know, one of the many deciding factors in this. I mean, Indiana Tech had, a, had a, an advantage in faceoffs. They had an advantage in saves. They had an advantage in shots. So the, the, the few clears and OT, untimely as they were, ended up being, you know, one of the difference makers there at the end. So Cumberland's is literally that close to a chance at the national title game. And I would have loved to see that AAC rematch. I mean, obviously hindsight being 2020, that Kaiser Reinhardt game was pretty much like a more exciting national championship game. Yeah, definitely. I had a couple Kaiser guys message me saying, <laughs> wow, we would have probably won had we gotten past Reinhardt. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, that I think Kaiser, what, what the issue with, with Kaiser was having only played what, 10 games and they had such Some a long time. Yeah. That's such a long time off in between games. They just kind of fell down the rankings a little bit and they ended up with a lower seed than I think that they wanted, but it, it just is what it is. And they, you know, someone's got to be on that side of the bracket and that's just how it all played out, right? So, you know, I think in a normal year, if Kaiser gets their full schedule in and, you know, it, it's tough as an independent as well, right? So you don't, you don't have that automatic bid that some other leagues use. So, you know, I think if Kaiser can get a great year next year and maybe they get the two seed, maybe we get to see that matchup because there's a lot of young talent on both sides. And then the final game, so three games in three days for both teams. You know, last time Reinhardt played Tech close in Indiana when they were on the third day of a three-game stretch or a third game of a three-game stretch uh, on their road trip. And they looked a little slow, a little sluggish, if you will. This time, they're both playing three games in three days. Reinhardt's a bit closer to home. And, uh, you know, from start to finish, you know, Reinhardt showed everybody why they're in the national championship. I mean – it was 10 to one at halftime. Second half was even. I mean, you had four goals from Connor Mills on with five assists for nine points. Gavin Banks with five and two. Um, you had Dylan Bosquet, who I haven't heard his name as much this year with, with a hat trick. Kyle Banks with a hat trick. 
I mean, they were scoring everywhere. On the Indiana Tech side, you know, Nate Langille, three goals, and then, you know, a couple of guys all over the place with one or two. Uh, you know, they, they did a goalie change at halftime for, uh, for Indiana Tech. You know, Evan Schuster started the game. He gets the loss, unfortunately. You know, 10 goals against, seven saves, not terrible. You know, a little bit below 50, obviously. Chad Nedball gets in seven goals against two saves. So it was just kind of a, it was a rough day in net. And I mean, can you really blame them? Right. Like they have, it's, it's Reinhardt. Reinhardt's going to score goals. Right. So, uh, you know, 15 saves for Reinhardt to Indiana Tech's nine. Uh, Reinhardt actually committed a few extra turnovers, which <laughs> might seem surprising. Uh, both teams cleared the ball pretty well. You know, quite a few penalties, not a lot of man up action. Uh, only one goal out of 11 penalties for both teams total face-offs go to Reinhardt 19 of 28. So like the stat sheet, it doesn't do a lot of justice until you look at, you know, that save percentage, those, those Reinhardt guys, they just took advantage of, of the situations and they, they got themselves good shots. You know, they didn't settle for the first shot. They, they worked the ball and they got some pretty great shots. And I think ultimately they overwhelmed Indiana tech in the first half. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And just going back to the comment earlier you made about uh, fresh legs, I mean, it seemed like I kind of made a joke about how Indiana Tech and Cumberland's legs must be feeling the day after that game. And I was mm -hmm. talking to a couple of Cumberland's guys just to get in the mindset of what it would have been like to play that next day. I was like, hey, how would y'all guys handle today? And they were kind of saying, yeah, we were hurting that next morning. Yeah, so I kind of knew going in. I they was played like, second, right? right? They played second and had a double OT. So, like, if you were a major role, if you're a major player on on those teams, like, you were pretty gassed. You were, you know, you would have been struggling the next day. And I, I think they all were. I think, I think Reinhardt to get to their credit, you know, they only played three hours earlier, so it wasn't like a huge, the world's biggest difference. They had a close game as well, but you know, not having OT having a few hours extra rest. And again, Reinhardt is deep. We, we know this, you know, they, they're always deep. And I think that that really helped them out. Like I said, you had different guys, every game stepping up and like in the national championship, Zane Anderson, which we haven't talked about that much. He had one goal and two assists. I mean, it, it really comes down to the, the depth, the experience. And I, I think Reinhardt has those in spades. So uh, that pretty much wraps it up you know reinhardt how many in a row is this for them john that's uh four now four i'm sure now. you got an alumni group chat going on somewhere with uh with some news about that so congrats <laughs> to reinhardt on four in a row you know obviously skipping over last year you know five year reigning champions but four national championships or national tournament invitational whatever the nai calls it we we all know what it is it's the national championship but uh, yeah. we'll be, you know, we're, we're already getting DMs and news for next year about possible transfers. I'm not going to talk about any of those until those are official. But, you know, there's some stuff going on. We already have some coach openings. You know, Aquinas has posted their job. Point posted their job. Uh, Sienna Heights posted their job. But I'm pretty sure that's more of a technicality. I'm pretty sure they're rolling with uh, Coach Masick, who took over this year for Ed Maloney in his absence. So, you know, we'll see some new faces next year. And then we also have Thomas Moore adding an NAI school down on the Kentucky side of Cincinnati. So that'll be interesting. I think they're not starting officially 
playing games until 2022, 23. So they have a year of recruiting to go. And uh, yeah, it's just exciting time. So John, you've got an awards post coming up on Lex All-Stars this week. But other than that, I mean, it's been a pleasure this year covering, you know, NAI lacrosse. I hope, uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. And this is our last show on NAI stuff, at least until maybe the fall or even next spring. Yeah, it's been fun, guys. Uh, hopefully, maybe you'll see me on the sideline soon. Yeah, I mean, there's no secret. John over here applied for the point job. So all the best to John. And uh, we'll, we'll see if we can't help make that happen. Then, you know, obviously, John will have to be a little bit more uh, unbiased when he's talking NAI content when he's uh, one of the coaches in the league. But it will be good to have that insider doing some weekly stuff for us. And, uh, you know, best of luck, John. Thanks. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Offsides.